Well, good evening, Wednesday night crew. I hope that you have had a good holiday season and that you are ready to turn the corner, to cross over, to step into a new year. Well, we're going to do things a little differently tonight. We're going to start with a little bit of teaching, uh, and then we are going to pray. Uh, it'll be a structured, organized, laid-out prayer meeting. Uh, and I'll explain how it's going to flow in just a few moments. But I felt like the first Wednesday uh, of the year, heading into a fast, that it would be of tremendous value for us to launch the year with a season of focused prayer. Uh, and I'll share just a few thoughts some of it will be familiar, things that I've shared with you before. Some of it I'll touch on a scripture that I haven't, I haven't alluded to before in the last 14 months. Um, I'll share a few quotes from, I think, someone who is pretty inspirational when it comes to prayer. Uh, and then our pastors will start leading us in different areas of focus, all right? I want to pray and then we'll get started. Lord, we're here for you. This church is built on you. And Lord, as we begin the new year, we start by petitioning you, seeking you, humbling our hearts before you, acknowledging our need of you, asking you to come near, asking you to change our world and the world around us. And Lord, tonight we position ourselves as a conduit for what you want to do in the earth. We position ourselves as an instrument in your hands. Lord, we leverage our faith that you've graced to us with the belief that when we cry out to you, you hear us and you respond. So would you just move over us tonight? I pray that as we pray that your spirit would become intertwined with everything we do. And Lord, that we would become partners in intercession with you. I pray that we would be led by your spirit individually as well as corporately. And there would be things that we pray that are right up in sync with what you're wanting to do in the earth and what you're wanting to do in this church. Lord, hear our prayers. Hear our heart. In the name of Jesus, amen. So next Wednesday, I'll start a series. And uh, Pastor Chase, Pastor A.T., they will be partnering with me through the series that's entitled Crossing Over. And that'll be, in some ways, our theme for Wednesday nights, much like you've seen the Unto Him in the backdrop every Wednesday night. Uh, and I'll share more about that in a moment. Uh, but in order for us to cross over into everything God has for us, I think that one of the fulcrums, one of the crucial elements for that to happen is for us to be a people of prayer. And my belief is that Wednesday night crew, you're people of prayer in your personal life. Uh, but I want us to now, in a corporate way, begin to be more intentional about being people of prayer. We've got great systems. We've got great structure, stuff that was established well before I became the pastor. We have incredible facilities. We have outstanding resources in large part because of your generosity. But all of that is just a shell. Uh, all of that is empty without the, the breath, the wind, the power of the Holy Spirit. And all of those things are just... Uh, modes and methods unless we are people of prayer that cause those different structures to be filled with him so I wanted to uh, talk a little bit number one we're entering a fast 
Uh, I don't know if you're participating in the fast or not. Let me reiterate, no judgment, no, no guilt, no condemnation, no pressure. Uh, but we start the fast on Sunday. And I just want to encourage you to prayerfully consider whatever it is that the Lord would have you do. If you've not listened yet, Fasting 101 is a message that I preached a few Wednesdays ago that gives just my heart uh, and some basic biblical instruction as well as some practical advice on how to proceed in a fast. And so I want to refresh our memory for a moment about a template that we can use in our personal prayer during the fasting season. So this first part will just be a reminder of some of the structure as we enter our fasting season of I don't want to just deny myself uh, with dietary restrictions. I want to accompany that denial with intentional, fervent, specific prayer. It's not any good to just starve yourself, right? It's not any good just to get the, the shakes from, you know, sugar deprivation, or however you're going to go about it. Like what matters even more than the fasting is the praying. And so whether you're very seasoned in your prayer life or maybe prayer is a little bit of a new venture for you because of where you are in your, in your experience with God, I have found that Jesus' teaching on the Lord's Prayer is an incredible framework that can quickly usher you into a sense of purpose uh, and a sense of um, um, I'm doing something that will create results like it, because it is laid out in the Bible. Jesus' disciples in the book of Matthew had questioned him. How do we fast? What's the best approach? How, how do we go about fasting? And uh, they asked him that in a different gospel. But in the gospel of Matthew, he is doing his teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And he lays out the Lord's Prayer. And I want to just lay it out real quickly, uh, and I'm going to just do it line by line with a little bit of context as to what each line can mean for you. It'll be on the screen. You can snap a picture. Uh, you can go back and review later. Uh, but as we use the Lord's Prayer as a structure, the first expression, the first utterance in the prayer is our Father. Our Father. And I have always been astounded or struck by the fact that the Lord's Prayer starts with the word our. O-U-R. O-U-R. Not our as in increment, obviously. Our as in possession. But it doesn't say my Father. It doesn't say my God. It says our. So at the very beginning of the prayer, there is an indicator that we don't do faith by ourselves. And it's one of the reasons I think a corporate fast is powerful is because you are doing it with a collective of people. So our Father indicates unity with the body of Christ and approaching the Lord as a son or daughter. That when you go into prayer, you're not an orphan, you're not an outsider, you're not a beggar. You're a son, you're a daughter, and because of Jesus, it is your rightful place to stand in the throne room before God. And when Jesus wanted to teach us to pray... He initiated it with, first, know that you are not an individual alone. And this is not a self-centered or self-focused endeavor. There is a collective, a corporate expression called Christianity in the church. And second, you don't come in as a pauper. You come in as a son and a daughter. The next phrase is, our Father in heaven. Acknowledging God's power, His stature, and His rule. 
As you enter prayer, once you've established that I'm a part of a bigger picture and that I'm a son or a daughter and I have a right to stand before God because of what Jesus did, I also want to be very conscious that God is powerful, that God is seated in the heavens, that He is my Father who is intimate and close and dear, but every bit as much simultaneously, He is the God of the universe. He is the God that spoke and everything came into existence. He is the God that with with an utterance from his mouth, anything can change in a moment. So I come to him knowing that he is in heaven. After that, it says, hallowed be thy name or holy is your name. So you cross over into worshiping and reverencing God's character and his nature. This is his character and his nature. And I'm going to begin to worship him out of what his name is. What his name represents. He is provider. He is healer. He is faithful. He is just. You just start working your way through his character and his nature. And you'll be amazed at what happens in your heart when you begin to center on who he is. The personhood of God. After hallowed be thy name is the next phrase. Your kingdom come. And your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And for this portion of the prayer, it's the belief that for the world to be changed, for darkness to be overtaken by His light. It's a shift in prayer to, I believe that God can change any and everything around me. And I want to make that a consistent part of my prayer life. That what's wrong will be made right, what's broken will be healed, what has been trending the wrong way will start trending the right way. What has grown increasingly dark will come in contact with His marvelous light and it'll be altogether different because of it. The next line in the prayer is give us this day our daily bread. Which is petitioning the Lord, number one, I believe, for the bread of His presence. There was bread of presence in the Old Testament temple. Jesus is the bread of heaven. He came from the house of bread, Bethlehem. And I think there is a power in on the regular asking the Lord, may I have my daily allotment of you. My daily allotment, what I need, what my soul, my mind, will, and emotions, and what my spirit needs in order to be vibrant and sustained. And then I believe an additional aspect of daily bread is for God's provision for our natural needs. And I'll admit, like that one is different depending on where you are at life. I, I, I've at the point in life where I'm not stressed where my next meal is coming from, where the bills are going to be paid or not. And I don't say that with any hubris. I'm really grateful for that. And so I might know where my next meal comes from, but I need to humbly acknowledge that it comes from Him one way or another. That everything I have, I have because He shared it with me. And then we shift into the prayer, forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This is personal humility and repentance and forgiving others before the Lord. Then we go to lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is a prayer for protection, strength, and wisdom from the Lord to avoid the traps the enemy sets for us and the attacks that come our way. Just an asking proactively. The enemy has a plan, a strategy against me. Help me to always elude his attempts at my life and then we come to the conclusion of the prayer yours is the kingdom the power and the glory forever amen 
It's praising the Lord. It's honoring His ownership of all things and delighting in how He shares it with us because it is His kingdom, but we are citizens of His kingdom. It is by His power, not our talent and our gifting, but His power is at work in us, as the Bible tells us. And it is for His glory, not our own, but we are heirs of God's glory through Christ Jesus, right? So He shares with us. But that kingdom come will be done portion is where we're going to really hone our focus in on today. And I just want to take a couple of more minutes and go to an Old Testament text that I think probably you can't do a prayer meeting without referencing this text. I think think it's a prerequisite for any prayer meeting. It's 2 Chronicles 7.14. I'll read from the New King James Version. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land so the context of this is important Solomon had built the temple he had dedicated the temple he had called the sacred assembly together and God's glory filled the temple a few days later not sure exactly of the increment of time the Lord visits Solomon And the Lord talks to Solomon about the possibility that the people of Israel from time to time would experience plague or pestilence. They would experience lack, drought, difficulty. And God said, in those times, if you will humble yourself, if you will seek me, if you will turn from your wicked ways, then I'll hear you. And I will heal the land. Now the implied idea is the difficulty they experienced was self-imposed, self-induced. But I think the prayer, the heart of the prayer works in all contexts. And this is the heart of it. When our heart is rightly postured and our focus is acutely on Him, God hears, is merciful, and brings change. And I think we probably all can look around us and say the land needs healing. Some of us can look at our family and say, my family needs healing. Some of us can look at different parts of our life and say, that part of my life needs healing. And I think God gives us promises here that when our posture is humble, when we are turning away from any wickedness or darkness or shadow or hiding in ourselves, and we are in pursuit of Him, we have His attention. And what we pray in those seasons from that posture and from that pursuit causes God to act on our behalf. We're not doing a prayer meeting tonight as a space filler. We're not doing a prayer meeting tonight as a form or formality or to check a box to say, hey, we did our prayer meeting. We're doing this because we actually believe that when we pray, God honors the prayers of His people. I want to share a few quotes with you from Ian Bounds and I'm going to be done. We'll receive an offering and then we'll start praying. Ian Bounds is an icon of the faith. He was uh, alive in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. He was a minister. He wrote nine different books on prayer. It was said of Ian Bounds that he would wake up every single day at 4 a.m. and he would pray from 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. And obviously, if you're a person that does that, you begin to have some revelation on the significance of prayer. So these will be on the screen, and I'm just sharing these as a little bit of uh, inspiration to grab a hold of. 
Prayer should not be regarded as a duty which must be performed, but rather as a privilege to be enjoyed. A rare delight that is always revealing some new beauty. He goes on to say, Prayers outlive the lives of those who uttered them. Outlive a generation. Outlive an age. Outlive a world. We are living in the prayers of somebody who doesn't live any longer on this earth. We will pray prayers should the Lord tarry that other people will reap the benefit of. Another statement is our praying, however, needs to be pressed and pursued with an energy that never tires. A persistency which is not to be denied and a courage which never fails. So when we pray tonight, I'm not asking for a certain volume level. I'm not asking for a certain expression on your countenance. I'm not asking for a certain gesture from your body. But I am asking for a heart posture that says, I am going to be focused and I'm going to be fervent. And I'm going to believe with confidence that God is in this room and hearing us. A couple more quotes. Prayer breaks all bars, dissolves all chains, opens all prisons, and widens all straits by which God's saints have been held. When we pray, things change. A couple more. Prayer honors God, acknowledges His being, exalts His power, adores His providence, and secures His aid. And the last that he said that we'll quote is, God shapes the world by prayer. I don't understand why He uses prayer. I don't understand. He's God. He could snap his fingers, but he could have snapped his fingers a lot of instances. He could have snapped his fingers and just sent Jesus as a 33-year-old like we talked about on Sunday. There's a lot of he could just snap his fingers, but within his wisdom, he chose to co-labor and partner with us in our expressions of faith. And prayer is one such expression.